0: today surrender a replay of the most popular show on get the hell out of your life
1: it's time now to get the hell out of your life a weekly broadcast with real people sharing real struggles and offering real hope today's show will encourage inspire and empower you to face life's challenges with a bold confidence and renewed hope now let's join our host ron myers the promoter Hello,
0: my friends. When I was a little boy, my brothers and I would play Army with the neighbor kids. And the winner was always the one who got the other team to wave the white flag of surrender. You know, as an adult, I got myself into some very bad situations. And it wasn't until I waved the white flag of surrender and begged God to help me Well, my guest today was in a battle with drugs and alcohol. This battle beat him to just being tired, blackouts, anger, and finally, he didn't care if he lived or died. But one day, at 3 o'clock in the morning, he knew the enemy was about to take his life, so he ripped off his coat of pride, waved the white flag of surrender, and within 24 hours, he and God began the process of restoring, repairing, and rebuilding his life. My guest is Ernest, and his story is going to encourage, inspire, and bring a fresh dose of hope to anyone out there battling with drugs and alcohol. Good morning, Ernest. How are you? Good morning, Ron. I'm doing quite well. How are you? I'm doing great, and I am thankful that you. Will share your story with my listeners because you had some battles in your life, didn't you? Absolutely. Tell us um, where are you from, and and what was life as a child like?
2: Ron, I grew up in uh, in Gulfport, Mississippi, uh, on the Mississippi coast. Had a good good childhood, uh, you know, in the sense that you know I played sports, I was you know, I had friends, I was sociable. Uh, my home life—I'm the youngest of, of four. So I had three siblings. We had a pretty good childhood. I can say one thing though: fear, um, anxiety, and uh, I guess a lot of acrimony or arguments. You know, that was our household.
0: Well, kind of a typical house. I don't know of any many houses that don't have a, a little bit of arguments here and there. <laughs> How were you in school?
2: School came pretty easy to me, uh, quite frankly. You know, I was an underperformer. I, uh, which would later go on. I mean, I, I was an underperformer. I didn't apply myself as well as I should have. I was a fairly good student.
0: Well, that's good. Were you, were you a happy child? Did you have a, a good self-esteem and a good image of yourself? Did you know that uh, at that time that you were created for a purpose in life?
2: Ron, it's a good question. I was a happy. Uh, you know, I was happy when I was playing. I was uh, happy when I was with my friends, but I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that, and this is part of what we'll get into later in my recovery, I'd later find out, but, you know, I was an anxiety-ridden kid, and I had a lot of fear. What were were
0: you fearful of?
2: Almost everything. The boogeyman.
0: (laughs) You're the boogeyman. I
2: guess. Almost everything. I mean, I just I always had a fear of uh, a feeling of impending doom, if that if that makes any sense. Oh, absolutely. Or, yeah. Something was going to go wrong. And so that was partly from, you know, our household and just maybe maybe partly from the way I'm, I'm wired and made.
0: What age were you the first time that you had a drink of alcohol?
2: I was 14 years old. And this ties in perfectly to what I was just alluding to. Uh, I can remember vividly my first sip of alcohol. A friend of mine and I were outside of this magic market in Gulfport, which is in close proximity to my house. And I remember the first, the first sip I took, Ron. And I guess the only way to adequately describe it to you was I was mesmerized. And I (laughs) felt like "Ah," it was, and that's why I was talking about that anxiety. It was that relief. It was that, uh, I mean, you know, I was transfixed and uh, it took away, you know, um, that insecurity and, and all of these things that I talked about earlier were gone when I took that step. And so, yes, I was I was. Uh,
0: so you you were probably then hooked then, huh? You, you needed m- more and more to, because every time you had that, then the little fearful earnest wasn't there and it was a more confident and more uh, self-assured earnest.
2: That's exactly right, and 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 frankly, Ron, I you know from the that first time I drank, I drank to excess. I could not stop, and that would be what I would later find out. I mean, that is a common trait among us alcoholics addicts. Once we put it in our bodies, it's a it's Russian roulette. What happens is totally uh, luck. Wow, will you make it back? That was my experience. From a very early, from the first time. Well, 14
0: I've got to ask this, Ernest. How do you hide that from your parents and your brothers and sisters?
2: Well, I didn't hide it very well. Um, what, I, what I did, plenty of my friends, you know, especially as we got older, drinking was, you know, you'd say prevalent in high school, you know, and on the coast, just like it is anywhere else for teenage kids. And I didn't hide it well. But what I did was rationalize it both to myself and to others, which I became very good at. We we can call that manipulating, too, by the way. Um, I would rationalize that as, uh, you know, everybody drinks. My friends drink and throw up, too. And, you know, and I guess my parents. You know just thought, well, he's another kid,
0: you know, uh, <laughs> wow, just another just another kid he gets a little drunk, throws up a little bit, but hey, that's that's okay. he'll play baseball tomorrow, and we'll all wear off of him. Well, let me ask you something. was there any part of you at that time that said, you know, maybe I shouldn't do this so much,
2: absolutely because I in our in the I'm in a 12 step program and, and, and you know, in our big book, it talks about and that inside of each every man, woman and child is the fundamental idea of God. And I, I had that from an early age. I had a relationship with God and I knew what was right from wrong. Um, and so you you
0: entered this war field <laughs> with the anti-God of this world in drugs and alcohol at the age of 14. And then that battle begin to grow and grow over a period of uh, your life until the one day you surrendered. Is that correct?
2: 21 years later, my friend. Yeah.
0: 21 years. That is, that's a lot of time. You are battling alcohol and drugs. Now are you holding down a job at that time or you, do you have relationships? Are you married? Well, uh,
2: you know, I did hold down jobs. I mean, that was, but yes, I was able to maintain, um, you know, uh, jobs, and that would further allow me to justify my drinking, which was getting worse and worse. This is a progressive illness, and you know, um, when you're blocked, and I was spiritually blocked. That's the truth of it. It gets progressively worse and worse, and I, I continued that for as we as we talked about many, many years. So were you drinking
0: when you woke up in the morning until you went to bed at night? Was there any pause towards towards the end? I was absolutely.
2: I became that type of alcoholic. So Uh,
0: you you had to have that to survive.
2: Right. I became dependent on it. It became my master.
0: What kind of drugs were you doing at the same time?
2: I did marijuana, cocaine. I mean, I, quite frankly, I was introduced to that. It allowed me to drink longer. Uh, I thought, man, this is, This is the greatest thing ever. This this is how warped and delusional my thinking was, Ron. And this is what happens when Ernest runs the show. Thank God doesn't run the show. I mean, that's how delusional my thinking was.
0: Listeners, it's time for a break. And when we return, Ernest will share
1: his amazing life of God's grace after he surrendered. Some of us are building highways, not with our hands, but with our hearts. We're on a journey that doesn't have an end. It's a rough road, but we know that someday it will be worth every rugged mile. Why don't you join us? We're the Christians. Now I know you've heard a lot of weird things about us, most of it not true. We don't really care. We just know that we're going to live forever and we can have an abundant life along the way. Jesus is our guide on this journey called life, and he said that he came to give us life that goes on forever and an abundant life. Hey, it's a toll-free highway. Jesus already paved the way. All we have to do is come on board. You don't have to be religious. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to accept the fact that Jesus already bridged the way to heaven. Then you have to put him behind the wheel. But when you finally let go and let Jesus take over, it's amazing how you find the journey a lot more peaceful because life without Jesus is kind of like going four-wheeling on a skateboard. Take some time to learn about Jesus. You'll find out how he can build an eternal highway in your heart. Hi, this is Ron Myers and it is finally finished. My
0: book The Promoter. It took me three years and well, my story, it is a wild story. I will share things that I have never shared with anyone from my childhood to my days as a promoter. I did anything to make a buck. I was hungry for attention and publicity. I really wasn't a good person. Sex, drugs and money was driving me. But something happened on the road to become a millionaire i ran into god my story is written for you as you read the book god will speak to you through the pages and your dreams will come alive and hope will be restored check out my book the promoter it's available on my website thepromoter.org or online at barnes and noble amazon and itunes Welcome back, my friends. And today, my guest is Ernest. And Ernest started drinking alcohol at age 14. It gave him a confidence. He felt good because he lived in a lot of fear. Well, as he got older for 21 years, the alcohol increased, the drugs increased, marijuana, cocaine, but he was coming to the end of his rope. And Ernest, from what I understand, what you submitted to me, it was 3 o'clock in the morning. You were in a hotel room in Texas, and you finally surrendered. You waved that white flag of surrender and told God you need help. Take me and the listeners through that surrendering part.
2: Absolutely. So it was, uh, and I think, Ron, on on the... 21 years. It's actually, so my sobriety date is February 18th of 2017. Okay. So that may be 19 years and I was wrong on my math earlier, but that I apologize. Oh, okay. Uh, Yeah. And and so uh, what happened was, you know, I had gotten, you asked earlier about, you know, jobs and stuff. Yes, I was able to hold jobs. I was doing uh, well in the oil business and all of that. But that the barn was burning down, so to speak, and I knew that. And and so consequences started to happen. And in a progressive disease like alcoholism is, you know, it gets very bad at the end. So before that moment of clarity, the moment, you know, grace, the moment God gave me that, that I firmly know saved my life, I had to have a lot of pain before that. Unfortunately, I don't, you don't have to ride the elevator all the way down. If you're listening, please. Um, I, I you know, it's not necessary to do so. Uh, there's a solution, and He, God, is is waiting, he's seeking us. Um, it just took me. I'm a stubborn alcoholic. It took me, uh, you know, a lot of pain, and I, I call it the gift of desperation, and that's where I was that night.
0: I like that. The gift of desperation.
2: It, yes, and it, it is absolutely. It, that's a paradox, which is like our paradox with surrender, right? I always thought surrender was weakness. And I would come to find out it was the only way uh, for me to be free of the bondage of alcoholism. Well, um,
0: you, you so would probably be dead today if you wouldn't have surrendered at three o'clock in the morning, wouldn't you?
2: I can say with absolute certainty. I can take the probably out of it, Ron, because you know, at that at that juncture, I was drinking vodka by myself. This was a nightly routine out in Midland, Texas. You know, it had gotten to a point. You know, I'd get off work and uh, get this vodka and beer, but and then all night drink by myself, Ron, and, and cry. And you know, seriously in tears, wanting to die. Not look and not even wanting to drink, but not being able to stop. I mean, you want to talk about a a real place of darkness. That was it because I had absolutely no solution was miserable. The drink wasn't working anymore. I mean, that's, that's the thing, the great, you know, alcohol, it always turns on you. Um, And it wasn't working. And I was just drinking to maintain. It was a miserable existence. And there was just that moment. And, Look, I I now work with other guys in my 12 step program, um, you know, and and I see this all the time. We get these moments of clarity. We all do. I believe God provides many of them. It's do we walk through them? You know, I didn't walk through them and I didn't choose to do that for many, many years. He he, he did that for me many times. I didn't take advantage of it. Uh, Finally, (laughs) in a moment, you know, of extreme pain, despair, And, and, you know, not caring if I lived or died, I called my brother, John. That's when, you know, that's when my life changed. It was the first little bit of willingness I had to say, help me, you know, help me, God.
0: So you had the ultimate surrender. You cried out, God, help me. You called your brother and then he began to put in motion to put you in a rehab center in Mobile, Alabama. Is that correct? That's
2: correct. God, please help me. I mean, I've. I've tried everything. And trust me, I had tried everything. And I finally, I can't do this anymore. And that's the biggest moment for any alcoholic or addict when you can, because that's humility. And I didn't have any of it to say, I need help. And I do that every morning now, on my knees. That's how I start my day.
0: Amen. And the courage, Ernest, to share this. And Ernest, I've got to talk to you over the last few days. And you are a... You're a, a vibrant person. Your business is doing well, but your faith in God is so important. And a lot of people, there may be somebody listening right now, Ernest, that says, well, you know, I've got willpower. I'm going to do this on my own. I'm not going to bring God. It shows a, a weakness in my life. If I, if I can't do this on my own, what would you tell that person?
2: Look, I can tell him that was me. And that is uh, the power of, of, You know, someone else who's been where you've been, which is me. Look, if you feel like you're hopeless right now, which is where I was in 2017, uh, you're not. I had the same. uh, I didn't. I bristled at the idea of God uh, at that time. I was at war with God. You know, I just thought there was no hope. and, And there absolutely, absolutely is hope with surrender.
0: Ernest, there is an excitement in your life today. If somebody asked you, how do you know God loves you? What would your response be?
2: He loves all. I mean, he loves all of us. uh, But look, the fact that I'm alive. God loves each and every one of us regardless of our choices. I found that out. You know, it took you you talked about something earlier, Ron, and, and I'll get back to the question in just a second, but I think it's I think it's important. You talked about the, the greatest thing I've learned is my biggest liabilities are now my greatest assets. So God has used my experience to be able to help other people who've been who've been who I've been right where they've been, and that's the most magical thing of it all because it flips
0: it. Amen. It
2: completely allows me to use my past to understand somebody sitting across from the table from me. Go, man! That guy gets me, and that that's part of God's masterful plan that we don't understand all the time. Well, he loves each and every one of us. And look if you're if you're struggling the day where I was and you feel hopeless, but you're alive and you're listening you got a chance and yeah. if you got a little bit of willingness. You got a chance. He is always waiting and we, we, we've never done anything that's not good enough for him. We're not the ones to decide whether we're worthy of his love. He loves us anyway. And the evidence of, of that is everywhere, Ron. I just couldn't see it. And I think, you know, everybody will be able to see that if they're, uh, you know, if they go through what I've been through. And so there's either two ways people, people continue to ride this into the gates of insanity or death. That's where I was going before surrender. Uh, just ego and pride. were going to, we're going to kill me or I was going to hurt somebody else or something catastrophic would have happened um, or surrender and this life happens. And uh, man, it, it <laughs> If I could have wrote down the things uh, I would have wanted out of recovery and my relationship with God, which is really what what our program and what this is about, is is getting that connection back. I couldn't. I would have shortchanged myself, Ron. I I could go on for for hours about the good things that have happened in my life and not just... You know, career-wise, relationship-wise, I mean, the most important. Well, Ernest,
0: Ernest, what you're finding out is the point of even this radio show, not only do you have a incredible purpose and now sharing your testimony with uh, other people all over the world that you got the hell out of your life. And when you got the hell out of your life and God put a little piece of heaven in your life, you realize you could compare the good and the bad. And now you probably don't have any desire, no one to ever go back because once you taste a little bit of heaven, you definitely never want to go back to hell.
2: That's exactly right. Uh, you, you put that so well, Ron, we, what we call it in our book, our literature calls it the, uh, the position of neutrality. And that's when we're in, you know,
0: spiritual
2: fit condition. Uh, and we don't even think, I mean, I can tell you this, Ron, I've obsessed about alcohol and drugs, um, every day for 19 years, you know, I mean, obsessed. If I wasn't drinking or drugging, I was thinking about how I was going to get loaded. That obsession has been removed, okay, by God. I did through my 12-step program, which is through God, and he removed that. If that's not miraculous, I don't know what that is because I have no I have no other explanation for that.
0: Because, Amen, oh, brother. Yeah. Amen. You're you. Hey, listen. I you're preaching to the choir. I agree. God is a God of miracles, and I know with uh, you being in AA, and we don't want to vi- violate any rules of confidentiality or anything. But somebody out there that may not want to go to church. Isn't there an AA chapter just about in every community in the United States of America or probably all around the world?
2: There is. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, in in every town and every country, uh, AA has grown from the big book is written in in 1939 and, and, you know, millions of people it's helped today. And it's it's just about everywhere. I've traveled all over this country and you can find an AA meeting anywhere. Um, Wow. I I tell you, I just want to emphasize the important thing is because I had the same, uh, you know, I I went to Catholic school. I told you earlier, I bristled at the idea of God. And a lot of us alcoholics or addicts, when we're at this point, don't want to hear that. Um, AA it is not a religious organization. It's a spiritual one. So I I can just tell you, I have a sponsor who is agnostic. We'll call him agnostic. Fifteen months ago, I spoke at a treatment center in Covington, and I do that, you know, around here fairly frequently. I love to give back. I think it's my obligation for what was freely given to me. And so I do that, and I met a guy there. He heard me speak, reached out to me afterwards. Kenny is now a part of our home group. Uh, We'll be celebrating 16 months, actually celebrating 17 months on the 12th of this month, of sobriety. He came in agnostic as I mentioned, and his relationship, as he shared yesterday when he moderated our 9 o'clock meeting, that has totally changed. He gets up in the morning, he meditates, he prays, and God is the guiding force in his life today. And this is the guy I can tell you did not believe or did not care you know, to believe there was a God. Uh, just 16 months ago, What I've seen happen in his life and with his wife and his relationship and everything else is miraculous. God has done this. It ain't us.
0: Ernest, thank you so much for sharing your story.
2: Thanks, Ron. I'm very, very grateful. And and please, uh, if someone wants to reach out, I'm here. Thank you and God bless.
0: Listeners, if you would like to get in touch with Ernest, email me ron at the and i'll get you his contact information when i return my monologue surrender ron will be back in a moment to wrap up today's conversation we want to encourage you today with god's promise to you it comes from the book of jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11 for i know the plans i have for you declares the lord plans to prosper you And not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and the future. That's God's promise to you when you choose to commit your plans and future to Him. Now, back to Ron. Friends, I have been in many battles in life. Rejection, termination, doubt, fear, and the list goes on. It always looked like I was going to get crushed, but I never did. I tell a story in my book about Bob the Biker. One night in a dance club, I was stopped by this huge biker. He was talking smack to me, and then he said something that put the fear of God in me. He looked straight into my eyes and said, Mr. Ron Myers, I could take you outside right now and kill you. Well, this was my destiny-defining moment. I said a silent prayer, God help me. And then I took a step towards him looked him straight in the eyes and said, yes, you could. But what would that prove? By the way, Jesus loves you. It got deadly quiet for a minute. It felt like eternity. But then he said, I want to buy you a drink. I asked him, why would you buy me a drink? He said, no one has ever stood up to me and I respect you. Friends, right this very second, there is something staring you right in the face and saying, I am going to steal, kill, and destroy your hope, your dreams, and your destiny. And you feel it, don't you? You are fearful and scared of the future. But what do you do? I'll tell you what to do. You declare in your voice, I serve a God bigger than my doubts, fear, and insecurities. I will trust in the Lord for strength and power to overcome my self-defeating thoughts. Friends, in case you haven't noticed, the battle for your mind and soul has begun, and your only weapon is God. God always wins. He never loses. He will triumph in your life. If you surrender, surrender your heart, your mind, and your soul to God and get busy living and becoming the person you were created to become. There is no battle too big for your God. Simply begin the surrender by saying, Dear Jesus, speak to my heart. Change my life. I surrender. Well, friends, my time is up, and I encourage you to check out my Facebook page, thepromoter.org, where I like to put some inspiration and encouragement.
1: Today's show was produced by Ron Myers Ministries, a listener-supported ministry. For a copy of today's broadcast, please visit our website, thepromoter.org. And would you prayerfully consider making a tax-deductible donation so that we may continue to share stories of God's amazing grace with the world? And join us next week for another broadcast of Get the Hell Out of Your Life, real people sharing real struggles and offering real hope.